0: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 239, and today we are talking about our favorite fiction books of 2019. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Cristina Garcia-Lynch, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hey, hey!
1: Hello! i missed you last month i know i was so sick but you had jen fill in and that is no great loss because she's awesome
0: yeah i mean it's sad but also yay jen
1: yay but i am i am here for this no way i was gonna be missing today's episode it's so exciting
0: The way the schedule fell, it was like Kelly was supposed to do fiction and you were going to do nonfiction. And Kelly was like, please, 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 I don't want to do fiction. Can you have Maria (laughs) Christina do it? I was like, yes, I I don't think that she's going to mind too much. It'll be fine. So we did that last week. It was lots of fun. And today we're going to talk about books that we loved. I was trying to make up my list because I'm in the middle of doing my Twitter 150 favorites again
1: yeah, it's an annual tradition that is just yeah so treasured. But
0: I ha- like I have a hard time even narrowing it down to that many lately. Like so many books I love this, and then I- as soon as I do it, I'm always like, oh, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. Ah,
1: I know I've I've been changing my list up until like probably until we record the very last one. Um, because there are so many great books that I could talk about and. How great is that? That's a fantastic problem to have. It really is. So yeah, it's it's been a good year in reading.
0: Okay, so before we start, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor. Okay, so uh, books. We're going to talk about books. So I'm not going to talk about *Getting the Ninth* today, which is a shocker. I know. I was so surprised when I didn't see you pick it. Well, because I just talked about it on the gift show, and I just talked about it in the newsletter last week, and it's like I want to get some more titles in here that you haven't heard me talk about <laughs> recently but of course like Gideon the Ninth is you know my ride or die for the year I've read it like, several times and I just love it um but I want to talk about some other ones including this one which I read at the beginning of the year and it just floored me I just loved it so much it's The Last Romantics by Tara Conklin it's just beautiful and heart squeezing it's about four siblings the Skinner siblings Skinner like the guy on the X-Files uh, and it starts off with Flora Skinner. She is the youngest of the four siblings. She is now 102 years old. She is a renowned poet and she's holding uh, a reading in which she's like talking about her life and her work. And someone asks her, uh, you know, what really influenced your work? And she starts telling the story of when she was young, uh, in 1980, I think. Um, she's the youngest of four. There's Renee, Caroline, and Joe are older than her. Uh, their father uh, dies suddenly, and they're left without him. Her mother doesn't know what to do. Uh, she becomes very, very depressed, and she takes to her bed for three years. So for three years, uh, the the Skinner siblings sort of raise themselves. Um, Renee and Caroline are teenagers, so... They kind of do everything that needs to be done. They make Joe and Flora do, you know, chores. and But they're still, like, kind of wild. They don't brush their hair. They don't go to bed when they, you know... But their mother is there. They, like, you know, try to feed her. And she signs, um, you know, permission slips when she needs to and stuff like that. But she's not really there. And they're just kind of taking care of each other. And they become extremely close uh, because of this. Um, but also, like, it's it's very hard on them. And then we see them, you know, two decades later... As adults, and what this experience did to them. And not only that, but like the experience that they had after when their mother um, finally became a part of their lives again. Um, what it was like for the girls when their brother was allowed to do things that uh, they were not allowed to do. Um, what it was like for him to be like the golden child who could do no wrong. Like he was his mother's favorite. And it's so good. I just, I can't like talk about it enough. Uh, but I'm going to stop because then that would just be a show about The Last Romantics, uh, which we could do. <laughs> but it is wonderful. It is The Last Romantics and it is by Tara Conklin.
1: Okay, um, I'm going to go in chronological order of the, the books that I chose. Um, so my first pick came out in February of this year and it is The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. And you may know the author from the Bone Season series. Uh, three out of seven of those books in that series have been published, and people who were anxiously awaiting the fourth installment may have been disappointed when instead, she released this completely unrelated book. Um, but it's it's if, if you're only going to read one high fantasy book that came out this year, make it this one uh there's there's action and there's espionage and there's a romance and and i particularly um love how skeptical it is of a a nation's foundational myths and the way that it really criticizes that that idea of a strong dude who who founds a nation uh through this feminist lens but it's it's also just a whole lot of fun and there are dragons. Uh so that is The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon.
0: And not just any dragons.
1: Not just any dragons. Talking dragons. Oh my gosh. There there are talking dragons and there are good dragons and there are bad dragons and and you know humans too but mostly dragons. Yes. Now for something completely different, <laughs> uh, my next pick
0: is the Atlas of Red and Blues by Davy Laskar, which I I think I've talked about all the books I'm going to mention today, um, but uh, I did talk about this one at the beginning of the year. It is uh, a very heavy book. Um, trigger warnings for uh, police violence, racism. Um, it's it's uh, when I think about it, it's like oh, this book is so devastating, but it's so important and. It, and she's written it in such a beautiful way. It kind of goes in and out of this woman's thoughts. The narrator is unnamed. We just know her as mother. Um, she has grown up, the daughter of immigrants, and she lived in the. She was born in the U.S. She has lived in the U.S. her whole life, but she talks about like the microaggressions that she's experienced. You know, like people always asking her, like, "Where is she from?" Where go back to her country? Like all this, the kind of things that go along with you know the racism that is inherent in this country, and she is narrating this book. Like I said, it's, it's very, it's very uh, intense. She's narrating this book. She has been injured by the police uh, and she's lying in her driveway uh, and she's thinking about all these things that that she remembers. Um, she grew up, she met a man in college, she marries a white man. Uh, his parents do not agree with this. Her mother gives her a hard time about it. He's very well off. They move to a very affluent neighborhood in Atlanta and she thinks things are going to be great but instead she's like treated like an outsider and Things go wrong, like with her husband's business, and, and there's a confrontation. Like I said, she's she ends up being injured, and now she's like thinking about her life and the choices that she has made, and and it's so devastating, but it's so compelling. Um, I I cannot recommend it enough. I think I said that about the last book too. I might just say that every single time. Um, let's just <laughs> add infinitum for cannot recommend it enough.
1: Let's just assume that Liberty could recommend and recommend and recommend. It is the Atlas of Reds and Blues
0: by Davey lascar All right, now tell me about your next pick.
1: Okay, my next pick is The Island of Sea Women by Lisa C. And uh, the first C is S-E-A, as in like the ocean. Uh, And the author's last name is S-E-E. This book came out in March of this year, and it is about female friendship in a matriarchal diving collective. And it starts out as a coming of age novel as two young friends are initiated into this profession that's that's dominated by women on this on this very real island. Like you can you can look up the history of this, um, but it becomes a multigenerational novel as it spans this huge swath of time. It takes place on a remote Korean island from 1938 all the way until 2008 so in this historical fiction novel you've got so many different historical things that are happening uh on the large scale you've got the Japanese occupation of Korea you've got World War II the Korean War and and the aftermath of all of that um and those big world events definitely play a part in the lives of these two girls as they grow into women but but you you really see the ways in which these big international conflicts also also hugely affect these these individual people and the ways in which they challenge uh and complicate the the friendship that these two women develop and and try to maintain um and it's just, I, I really enjoyed this this book. I, I love a good multi-generational novel, and this is one of my favorite ones that I read this year. That is The Island of Sea Women by Lisa C.
0: Okay, my next pick, again, very, very different. Um, I love this one though. This is so so bonkers. <laughs> but uh I love this book and I love how many other people love this book. Like people that don't normally read like dystopian fiction picked it up and were like this is the best book of the year. It is The Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton. It is about the apocalypse. There is a lot of gross stuff in it, so you know that happens, but it's so big-hearted and wonderful. It's about the end of times. It's in Seattle. There is a domesticated crow named ST, which is short for something that I can't say on the air. And it's he's best friends with Big Jim. He's his buddy. He lives with Big Jim. Um and one day uh, at the very beginning he and Big Jim are playing out in the yard with Dennis the stupid dog that ST hates. And Big Jim's eye just falls out and like it does and uh it turns out <laughs> zombie apocalypse has started. Uh, and the, the whole book is narrated by animals, mostly St, but some other animals as well. Um, and so, yes, they put him in the basement. We, they don't know like zombie apocalypse. However, as readers, we know zombie apocalypse. You know, like this is the end of the world. Uh, and so, St decides to go out into the world because he can't fix. He can't fix his buddy Big Jim. There, he decides to go out into the world and find a cure. Like he doesn't realize like this is happening. You know, to everybody and like. You know, this is pretty much the end. Um, and he meets some very wise animals. He meets some very scary animals. And he brings Dennis with him. And Dennis kind of grows on him after a while. Like, he's always thought he was kind of a big dummy uh, at home. But he and Dennis become friends. And they're going to go on this adventure. Um, and, like I said, it's gross. But it's also so freaking hilarious. She is so funny, Kira Jane Buxton. And also, it's in, it's so sweet and heartbreaking, uh, I'm just gonna say animals are gonna die in this book. I have a less hard time with animals dying in books when like say like the book Mort by Robert Rapino, where the animals are like the main characters and they're living like people, and yeah. this is all they're doing than like when people hurt animals. and so um you know, animals are going to die, you know, warning if that's something that upsets you. Uh, but it's so big hearted and just wonderful. It is the Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton.
1: Alright, oh, uh I think it's time for another sponsor, Liberty. Okay. And now tell me about your next book. Okay. Uh my next pick is it's one that I, I believe I talked about on the show when it came out in March. It is As Long As We Both Shall Live by Joanne Cheney. And this is uh this is a really thrilling crime. Uh, like, psychological thriller-type mystery, Uh, you've got this wife, Marie, who falls to her death on a hiking trip. And, predictably, her husband, Matt, is the prime suspect. But that's the last time this mystery is predictable. It gets so twisty as the details of the crime are discovered and uh the the reader finds out more about Matt and Marie's marriage at the time of Marie's death and also their their relationship in the years preceding her death. And there's an awesome lady detective who who's who's also just a really enjoyable character throughout all of this. And and it's gonna be one of those things that has you on the edge of your seat completely guessing, thinking you figured it out and, and right away realizing you are completely wrong, right up until the last page. It's it's a lot of fun. Um but but be warned it there is some violence because you know it's a psychological murder mystery. Uh so that is As Long As We Both Shall Live by Joanne Chaney. Speaking of
0: murder mysteries, I went to see Knives Out yesterday. Ooh.
1: Did you see it? I did. I did. Oh, so good.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was worried because you know, like, people were like, this is the best thing. You have to see it I or know. you have to read it. And then I'm always like. I get so
1: hmm. worried when people overhype it. And yeah. then it just, but it lived up to all of my expectations. It
0: did. I actually knew the ending. Or I knew what happened because um, of those Star Wars crybabies that are still mad <laughs> at Ryan Johnson who were like spoiling it oh, all over the internet. And I accidentally saw one like in the YouTube comments of the trailer, but still it didn't it didn't dampen my enjoyment at all, like knowing what was going to happen. Um and I also bought myself a, a Chris Evans sweater. <laughs> after, yeah. Like after there was an article on CNN that was like, Everyone is crazy about Chris <laughs> Re- Evans sweater and knives <laughs> out and so they're like, Here are several online it's like three hundred dollars. It's like a it's like a cable knit sweater, like a cream colored yeah. cable knit sweater. I'm saying this for, like, the readers at home, in case they haven't heard it. But, um, so, like, they're like, here's one for 300 here's one for two, here's one for, you know, 259 And then they're like, Abercrombie and in, in Fitch, Fitch, Finch, I don't even know. Um, they have them on sale for $39. I was like, that one? I'll take that <laughs> one. Uh, so,
1: yeah, I'm easily influenced uh, by the things that I read. <laughs>
0: so, you know.
1: And now you just can't tell you and Chris Evans apart.
0: It's it's true. It's going to be really hard. Uh, my friend actually <laughs> sent me a photo of Baby Yoda wearing a Chris Evans sweater. <laughs> and It's it's like, this is my whole life right now, right here in this that one That is 2019
1: <laughs> in a nutshell. Yep. You got that and our podcast list here. And you know, everything important that happened in the year. It's true.
0: <laughs> Speaking of important, I... So this next book is the most realistic fiction i read this year, if that makes any sense. Um, It is Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha, and it's a fantastic crime novel. Uh, It's about these two families, uh, an African-American family and an Asian-American family. The two main characters are Grace Park and Sean Matthews. um, And it's set uh, in the 1990s during the riots in L.A. and then again in present day when a crime occurs that brings these two families uh, back into each other's orbit. Um, And Sean Matthews uh, was a young man who lived with his sister and his aunt and his cousin. Um, His mother had passed away, and um, his sister is killed. And it kind of changes his life, and he he joins a gang, and he gets into trouble, and he sort of straightens his life up. But his cousin uh does not and he has just gotten out of jail in the present day scenario uh, after many many years away um and grace park is a a young woman who works at her her parents pharmacy Uh, her sister has not talked to her mother in many years and she doesn't understand why this is but we are going to find out why um and that in present day there has just been a ruling on a police shooting the police is the policeman has not been found guilty of course because that what happens all the time uh and it's just like this atmosphere of racism and fear right now and the city is very tense and then another crime occurs and things are set to explode um it's, it's also a book it's not just a book about racism and fear but it's also a book about like what happens when someone you love does a terrible thing uh especially one that they think they are justified in doing and it's so smart and i feel like more people should be talking about this book because like i said does that make sense to say? Like this is the most realistic fiction I read this year. Um, it's Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha.
1: All right, my next pick is The Parisian by Isabella Hamad, and it it starts out with a Palestinian student arriving in France before the start of World War One, and it follows him and other people who become part of his life uh all the way through until about 1936 and uh and i i love this book because it's it's historical fiction and it's this perspective that you don't necessarily get in historical fiction which which seems like it's it's just majorly eurocentric but you've got this arab guy who shows up in France because he doesn't want to fight uh in World War 1 on the side of the Ottoman Empire and his father is a merchant who happens to have the means to send him away to university in in France and of course this is it, it's an interesting book in that he feels like an outsider while he's in France and then later on in the book he he settles back down in Palestine and he feels like an outsider a bit there too because all of the all of the locals many of whom he he grew up with refer to him as the Parisian um so so this is I I also want to want to warn you that it's a long book and I would say that it's a slow burn, but that doesn't quite seem right because there there isn't actually any any kind of building momentum. You just hang out with these characters, absorbing their inner life almost like like you're just in a in a reverie, and it was unlike anything else I read this year, and y'all might want to try it out. It is The Parisian by Isabella Hamad.
0: Okay. Uh, I jumped all over in my notes. I was just looking. I'm like, how did I get this far ahead? Because apparently I I wrote my notes down incorrectly. Uh, So I'm going to go back now. You were probably looking at the notes going, what is she doing? Where is she going? (laughs) But you you
1: stuck with it. You stuck with your side. I figured, you know, all would be revealed. Yeah. (laughs) I
0: get to the end and be like, okay, I talked about five books. So those are my eight titles. Um, So (laughs) my next pick, you heard me talk about a million times. I love this book so much. It's All This Could Be Yours by Jamie Attenberg. If you were a fan of Succession this year, this is definitely one you want to pick up. It is about a toxic patriarch of a family, the Tuckman family. Uh, His name is Victor, and he makes everyone else in his life miserable. Uh, And he has a wife named Barbara and two kids, Alex and Gary. They are adult children now. And Victor is in, I think he's in his 70s in, when it starts, or maybe his late 60s. Anyway, he suffers a, a health issue, a very serious health issue, and he is now in a coma in the hospital. And his wife is there by his side, and his daughter comes to the hospital. Uh, and she, they're trying to get Gary to come out from Los Angeles because they're in New Orleans. And we kind of hear, like, the story of all the horrible things that Victor has done throughout his life. Um, he has been very terrible to his wife. He's been very physically abusive. Uh, he's been horrible to his children. Um, he's been very manipulative he's just a terrible man. And so they're all like trying to get together and, you know, cause he's on his deathbed now, like, do, does he get forgiveness? Like he, he can't talk to them, but like, are they going to forgive him? Do you have to forgive somebody who is that horrible? And it's also a look at like maybe reclaiming your story, you know, like this is their chance to start over or, you know, change the narrative now that, that he is going to be gone um and we see like you know how he was when they were young and how he and barbara met and she's and like alex the daughter is like also very mad at her mother and she sees this as a chance to ask her like why did you marry this guy why did you let him behave the way that he did um it's so sharp and insightful and just the ending just oh i just cheered i was like yes yes i love the end of this book so that is all this could be yours by jamie attenberg
1: my next pick is Ask Again Yes by Mary Beth Keen, and this was this was just such a. This ended up being a one sitting read for me because it was eleven p.m. and I was like, oh, I'll just read one chapter and then go to bed. And before I knew it, it was three thirty in the morning, and I was done and had completely been unaware of the passage of time while I was racing through this book. Um. So I, I'm recommending it because I hope it'll grab you as well. It is about two NYPD cops who end up living next door to each other in the suburbs as they start their families. And, and those children at the beginning of the book become adults with children of their own by the end of the book. And in between, we see how a really chaotic night in this neighborhood ends up having far-reaching ramifications for both of these families as as everyone grows older and it was it it in places a really tough book to read because the the mother uh of one of these families has some severe mental health issues and she and, and you know content warning here. She is somewhat abusive towards her son uh, when she gets in these these like psychotic rages. Um, but I found that this book has it, it has a really sensitive portrayal of mental health that that is it. it didn't sensationalize anything, and I think it was also, it was also kind of educational without being preachy uh, when it comes to mental health issues. Uh, but but mostly, I love this book for the the way it kind of takes the piss out of the idea that when you're young, you know everything, <laughs> and uh, it it shows people growing up growing older, and having their own expectations about their relationships upended. Um, but it, it's a really life-affirming, love-affirming book. Uh, and, and as I've said before, I am a sucker for multi-generational novels. Oh, also a content warning for alcoholism, um, which it also, I think, portrays really sensitively and compassionately. Um, so this book, it's, it's not, you know, the most breezy read, but it's definitely worth it. It is Ask Again Yes by Mary Beth Keene.
0: My next pick is Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, which is so delightful and quite strange. And I love it. It's about two friends, Lillian and Madison, when they are teenagers. Uh, Lillian is living with her mother. She and her mother are are not very well off. Uh, times are tough, and Lillian gets a scholarship to go to this very prestigious boarding school because she's a genius, and it's, she's having a hard time at the school because the it's all like the richest families in the country send their their daughters to the school, and so the, you know she's the scholarship kid, so she gets picked on a lot. Um, but she becomes friends with a girl named Madison, like right off the bat, like they're best friends, you know they're destined to be best friends forever. They have the best time. However, something happens, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but uh, Lillian ends up getting expelled and after school things do not go well for her you know she has to go back to her town um she's you know feeling let down she doesn't have any confidence in herself she does not make great decisions she she does some drugs she takes menial jobs uh she's not motivated anymore she's kind of like down on herself and She, however, does continue to keep in touch with Madison. They don't talk on the phone. They don't visit with each other, but they write each other letters all the time. So as the years go by, they are up on each other's lives, but they've never seen each other since she left school. Um, And one day she is summoned uh, by Madison uh, to Tennessee, where Madison lives uh, in Tennessee. She's now married to a senator. She has a very fancy life. Uh, She tells Lillian that she needs her to come there. She can't tell her why, but she's sending a car for her. And Lillian's like, mm, okay. And so she goes to to Madison's house. And when she gets there, Madison tells her that her husband has uh, 10-year-old twins from his first marriage. Their mother has died and she needs Lillian to be their nanny. Now, does that sound strange? Not really. Uh, but then she explains that she can only trust Lillian with this job because there's a special secret about the kids that she needs Lillian to keep uh when the when the kids are upset, they catch on fire, um which you know like you do, and yeah. it's great like and so like at first, you you're like catch on fire and but the science behind it like the, there's no explanation for it, like he never goes into like why this happens, which I think helps the book like if we were trying to like like really figure out like why because they catch on fire, and then when they're not mad anymore, it goes out, but unfortunately, you know fire affects everything else around it, so Her job is going to be to keep the children, you know, calm. But it's not easy, Stu, because, you know, they feel like their father, like, passed them off on their mother when they were little. Their father still doesn't pay any attention to them. They're not allowed to be in the big house with with Madison and Madison's uh, new son. Um, or their stepbrother, I should say Madison's only son, but their, their stepbrother. Uh, so they've got a lot to be angry about, but Lillian finally feels like for the first time in her life, she has a purpose and she's going to love these kids and she's going to help them and, and keep them safe. And it's just beautiful and sweet. And I just love it. It's nothing to see here by Kevin Wilson.
1: All right. Uh, My next pick is another book that I talked about here on the podcast. And it is recursion by Blake Crouch. If you liked Crouch's sci-fi thriller, Dark Matter, from 2016, you are going to love this latest sci-fi thriller from him. Uh, Content warning, though, it opens with a woman's suicide. Uh, So there's a disease that's going around where people who contract this mysterious disease wake up one day with memories of a whole other life that nobody else seems to remember and and nobody else can corroborate so so this woman had had gotten this disease and had memories of a uh a family that that she does not have in in the life that she is living right now and the thing about these memories is that they seem they seem as equally real as as the life that the person has led up until now uh she she finds the person who was supposedly her husband in this in this other life that she remembers and he's like I have no idea who you are lady and and this ends up uh, with her on top of a building just really really distraught because these memories of her of her life are so strong and it's it's too much for for her to cope with um that's that's the last we we see of this woman but uh this introduces us to the guy who's going to be a major character in this book because he is a police officer who responds to this emergency. And and it seems like it's going to be some wild medical type mystery thriller because you've got this mysterious memory disease, but it turns out that the things that, that are messing with people's memory are really time travel shenanigans. Um so uh, and <laughs> much like in the DuckTales reboot, which I believe I've brought up on the show before as well, one of the the big villains in in this book is a tech pro which just seems so so relevant these days. Um but it's it's a super exciting exciting like hard science fiction book that that also has a lot of of heart in it and and it's it it was another real quick read for me because i i liked it so much um maybe even more than i liked dark matter uh but this book is recursion by blake crouch
0: okay i'm going to swap back to something very different (laughs) <laughs> My next pick is On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong, which is probably the most devastating, beautiful book i read this year. Uh, it's about a young man named Little Dog. He's in his 20s. He is writing a letter to his mother, even though she cannot read. And it's about their family history. Uh, his his mother came over from Vietnam uh, during the war, and he lives in Connecticut with his mother and his grandmother. They are You know, obviously seriously traumatized by what they saw and what happened to them uh, in Vietnam during the war. Um, He is having a hard time in Connecticut. His mother is physically abusive towards him. Sometimes she lashes out uh, because, you know, she's, she's scared and she has a lot of rage. And he's also having a hard time because he's in Connecticut and he is Asian and he, he does not see a lot of people who look like him. He's also gay. He realizes as a teenager that he is gay. Another reason for the kids to ridicule him and make fun of him and, and make him feel like an outsider. Uh, and so it's like about his, his troubles uh, as a, as a child. And then as a teenager, um, you know, fitting in and, you know, finding love. Um, it's also about like his fierce love, like this, this fierce love between him and his mother, like, you know, cause just, you know, she is abusive. Uh, and that's very hard for him. But at the same time, you know, he loves her so much. And it's so, like I said, it's so devastating. Um, but, you know, I heard him read from this and it, he, he makes everything sound so beautiful. Um, if you've never read Ocean Boong, I highly recommend it. Or just like watching an interview with him and um, he is not operating on the same level as the rest of us like he is from another plane of existence he is so smart and wise and you listen to him talk and everything is like oh yeah okay yeah that's right yeah i mean it's just you just feel better like when you listen to him speaking um and and like i said this novel is very hard there is like i said um there's physical abuse there's drug use um there's um just war trauma um, animal death. It, it's it is a very difficult read, but uh, like I said, I think it is worth it. It is on Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong.
1: That was such a good one. Oh, I love that man. Okay, my next pick is The World Doesn't Require You by Ryan Elmo Car Scott, and this is a collection of short stories, and all of these short stories take place in the same fictional southern town with some recurring characters making repeat appearances across the short stories uh, at different points in, in their own personal histories. And uh, this book is, is kind of alternate history because the, the town of Cross River is in, in this book was the site of the only successful slave uprising in the U.S. Um, And it, kind of sci-fi too there are uh there are two short stories here that uh feature a a robot who was constructed basically to to be a slave but the 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 thing about this is these all of these things can exist side by side because the world building is is seriously great uh you know it's not like like a staged room in a furniture catalog like like some pretty ambitious settings can be uh it just it feels 100% lived in and and some of the stories are long some are brief and all of them are both funny and and brutal uh because it it really addresses even in this in this town where supposedly you you might uh you might be expecting some kind of black utopia like Wakanda because this is the place where there was the only successful slave uprising but but here there are still some serious serious after effects and and lingering racism from from the the dark history of of the, these this town that used to be populated by plantations who were plantations that were being worked by by enslaved people um so this book is yeah it's it's tough in a lot of ways to read, but it also holds a mirror up that I think a lot of us need to be looking into and it's it's also just oh it's it's brutally it's brutally funny in in a way i don't know how to the the characters the language it's it's a really engrossing uh entertaining and enlightening book uh all at once it is the world doesn't require you by ran emilcar scott
0: okay now we're gonna bring this home which is good because i am so very warm my last pick is The Book of Lost Saints by Daniel Jose Older, which I think I talked about when it came out. I feel like I haven't seen this on many end-of-the-year list, and I think it deserves to be on more because yeah. it's really wonderful. It is about a Cuban-American family. Uh, it, it goes back and forth in time. There were three sisters in this family, two of whom disappeared during the Cuban Revolution. They don't know what happened to them. One of those sisters is Marisol, and one day... She kind of makes herself known, her ghost makes itself known, uh, to Ramon, her nephew in New Jersey. Uh, He is a DJ by night and a security guard by day, and all of a sudden he's feeling very compelled to learn about his family's history and what happened to his aunt Marisol. Um, And I will say, like, I say these things because I feel like they're helpful and not because I want to detract from the book at all. At the beginning, you have to hang in there. It is a little confusing in the first few pages because Marisol's ghost is narrating this book and she is talking to herself, but she is also talking to him at the same time. And it's kind of like, what is going on? It seems almost like two people are talking, but it's her just being like, you know, and when you this, but like also like when you this as in her um, so just hang in there; you'll get the hang of it. It's it's worth it. Um, and so Ramon, all of a sudden, he feels very compelled to go to Cuba and find out about his family. Um, it changes his life. He falls in love, and he finds out what happens to Marisol, which is like uh, the end of her story is something that not even like she is really aware of. Um, it's very funny. It's beautiful. Uh, it's called The Book of Lost Saints, and it's by Daniel Jose Older.
1: I love him. Yes. All right, my final pick is Ghost Wall by Sarah Moss. Um, It is set in rural Northumberland where a teenager is on an Iron Age reenactment camping trip. I would classify this as a horror novel and one of the most terrifying aspects of the book is how grounded in reality it is. Uh, Sylvie is the teenage daughter of the amateur historian slash outdoorsman who has been contracted to lead this group of university archaeology students on this camping trip and uh he's he's one of those guys who who really hangs on to the usage of, of anglo-saxon as a descriptor as a a kind of like racist way to to say that there were native english people and they definitely were not brown um and and you see this actually come up a lot in medieval like historian twitter where people say we really gotta stop saying anglo-saxon and a lot of white supremacists have have a co-opted that term as as a a kind of code word for, for white native English people, which, which, you know, there really aren't. Um, and, and he is, is very much one of, one of those, those group of, of real people who exist. And he is, is in many ways, apart from that, just a really problematic guy. And one of the biggest, things about him that you find out in the in this pretty short novel is that he is super controlling and abusive of his his wife and daughter uh just mentally emotionally and content warning physically um and one of the I think really successful things about this book is how it portrays a, a an intelligent young woman who is strong in so many ways um and how she doesn't necessarily see how how troubling her home life is uh until she gets the perspective of of outside people and and even then she she feels like they don't necessarily understand her situation, and it's 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 so it's so well done. You can you can see where she's she's coming from, while also saying, "Oh no, honey, this is this is bad," um, and that is that alone is that's just the backdrop for the real like kind of horror turn that the that the book takes um and it's a super super quick read it's it's a short book um and as as harrowing as it is i think if you're a person who who doesn't necessarily like the really like gory horror books that are out there um this will still give you a a, a good a good taste of that horror genre with the I don't know. There are things about it that are are very, very Lord of the Flies uh, by the end, and and it's it's great. It's Ghost Wall by Sarah Moth. Okay, those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Uh well, I am. I'm getting super super psyched for the Rise of Skywalker that is coming out so soon. So I think I am going to go back and reread Chuck Wendig's Aftermath trilogy just real quick also because I I really love Chuck Wendig and um you know that is a Star Wars trilogy set between uh Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens and you you kind of get the the background for, for where the first order came from. Um, and it's, it's a really great portrayal of something that, you know, you might not, it might not have occurred to to anybody that the destruction of the second Death Star didn't mean that everything was sunshine and rainbows immediately, uh, that there's, there's, there's some growing pains for the new Republic. Uh, and, and did I mention that I love Chuck Wendig? Um, so, so that's what I'm going to, I'm going to read to get in the mood for, for The Rise of Skywalker. What about you?
0: I just got the new, uh, Jeff Vandermeer, his young adult novel that's coming out in July. A Peculiar Peril, The Misadventures of Jonathan Lambshead. It says here, it is the first book in a two volume fantasy about a teenage boy who inherits his grandfather's mansion and discovers three strange doors, evidence his grandfather did not die of natural car- Causes, but spectacularly unnatural ones, includes to the families tied to an alternate Europe immersed in a war fought with strange tech and dark magic.
1: Which is nothing you wouldn't expect from Jeff Vandermeer. It's true, and it has the most <laughs> amazing cover. Uh, so that
0: is it for us this week, um, and some of our favorite novels of the year, uh, which it's just so many great ones. While you were talking, I was like, oh, could have talked about this. We could have talked about Wanderers, the new Chuck Wendig. I mean, oh, they're all so good. Yep. Um, but that is it for us today. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find Maria Christina on Twitter at meowycristina, That's M-E-O-W-Y-C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. I am on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books we loved this year, we don't have the time but you can read about more titles that are out today in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. woo